For whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Romans 15 chapter 4th verse. Hello there and welcome. I am JT Lawson and this is a four-time True Crimes and Biblical Times podcast, which is a true crime podcast that glorifies God and not the crime. Here we are at episode two entitled The Murder of of all murders. This episode looks at the tragic story of Cain and Abel, which is found in the book of Genesis, 4th chapter, 1 through 16 verse. Yes, the infamous first account in the Holy Bible concerning the crime of murder within humanity. Inspiration tells us that the murder of Abel was the first example of enmity that God had declared would exist between the serpent and the seed of the woman between Satan and his subjects and Christ and his followers. And that's from the book Patriarchs and Prophets, page 77, paragraph 1. Yet, amid this awful event, God displays how he is long-suffering with his children, even when they are disobedient. And I tell you, my friends, that right there is good news because even us as Christians, we're only sinners saved by grace, So thank God for his great, great grace, even in our disobedience, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Now, back to this declaration that was referred to and spoken by Jehovah in Genesis, the third chapter, 15 verse. Indeed, this passage declares not just the enmity or hostility between the serpent and the seed of the woman, but the victory. Hallelujah of the blessed hope in the latter part of this verse. Check this out. It, speaking of the seed, or better yet, Jesus Christ our Savior, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The bondservant of Christ, the Apostle Paul, in his epistle to the Romans, expand deeper concerning this prophecy in chapter 16, in verse 20. And the Bible says, And God, our source of peace, will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Yes, the cross of Calvary stepped on the head of the serpent, but the crushing blow, the weight of the holy hill coming down on Satan's head with full intensity is when, as the Bible puts it, behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that the ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him and that's found in the book of Jude the first chapter 14 and 15 verse in this verse Enoch foresaw the climax dealing with the great controversy between good and evil where the great battle of Armageddon will take place at this point in time sin will not at all be looked upon as being attractive but will be seen in all its full disgust all the ungodly will come to a state of acknowledging their mistakes and instead of them falling on the rock which is Jesus Christ coming to a place of repentance with a broken heart and contrite spirit the rock of ages will fall on them and crush the ungodly including Satan and his fallen comrades now the latter of which I am speaking of 
is the end game for how God through Christ will deal with sinners who totally reject him. So, question, how does God deal with those within the in-between time, meaning the here and now? I believe the story of Cain and Abel is the blueprint on how God labors in love for those even when they choose their own path, where God shows that he is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy, as the psalmist put it in chapter 145 in verse 8 of the Psalms. While they strode down the blasphemy road against the Holy Spirit, even the Spirit of Christ, for sin cannot be forgiven if sin has not been confessed. Therefore, let us seek the Lord in guiding us this episode, the murder of all murders. Let us pray. Dear Gracious Father, we thank you for life. We thank you for the love that you have poured upon us this day. And now, Lord, as we come before you, we ask that first and foremost you forgive us of our sins if there's anything that separates us that is unlike you in our life or things that we have done that is not like your character please father forgive us please allow us to be forgiven because you are a merciful God and you are faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness so father we hold on to your promise that you would do just that in the name of Jesus father guide us as we Look at this story and how this story not just applies in that biblical portion of time, but also how it applies to us today in dealing with murderers and not just murderers, but sinners, oh God, who have transgressed against your holy law. Help us to find comfort in these scriptures, oh God. Help us to find hope. Help us to find your love. And may you be glorified in the process. This is my prayer in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So now let us read Genesis, the fourth chapter and 16 verse. And the Bible says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Verse two, and she again bare his brother Abel and Abel was a keeper of sheep but Cain was a tiller of the ground verse 3 and in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord verse 4 and Abel he also brought of the first link of his flock and of the fat thereof and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Verse 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? Verse 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and slew him. Verse 9. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, 
I know not. And am I my brother's keeper? Verse 10. And he said, Why hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Verse 11. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Verse 12. When thou tillest the ground, it should not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be in the earth. Verse 13. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Verse 14. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from the face, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And verse 16. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. That's deep stuff right there. But let's take a look at the two brothers and unpack this passage. The sons of Adam and Eve differed in profession and character. Cain was a tiller of the ground, simply a farmer, and sadly cherished feelings of rebellion and murmured against God because of the curse pronounced upon the earth and upon humanity for their father's disobedience. Speaking of uh, Adam taking the bite of the unforbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yet Abel was a keeper of sheep, a shepherd boy. Abel owned a spirit of loyalty to God. He saw justice and mercy in the creator's dealing with the fallen race and gratefully embraced the provision of redemption through this offering system that was presented to his parents in the Garden of Eden. And you can look at Revelation 13, uh, chapter 13, 8 verse, uh, John the first chapter 27 verse and also Proverbs the 27th chapter and 26 verse of course these are all dealing with the lamb uh, Revelation 13 chapter 8 verse speaks about the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world and also John the first uh, chapter and 27 verse this is John the Baptist speaking about behold the lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world and of course Proverbs uh chapter 27 verse 26 uh, speaks of lambs being for our clothing so this is the image uh, and of course remember those garments made of skin for Adam and Eve by the Lord God Almighty in Genesis the third chapter and 21 verse this is what those verses are referring to that Jesus was the lamb of God that these garments came from an innocent lamb which foreshadowed Calvary's cross and thus being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Both brothers, Cain and Abel, clearly knew that in these offerings, they were expressing faith in the Savior whom the offering typified. 
and at the same time fully relied on God frog fully relied on God for the pardoning of their sins thus without the shedding of blood there could be no remission of sin so the offering of the firstling of the flock satisfied this speaking about Abel's offering and the fruit of the earth were to be presented before God as a thank offering here is where the gift of free will is exercised Abel brings of his flock which the Lord commanded and Cain brought of his fruit the works of his hand the recognition of the need of redeemer was left out of Cain's offering which was not God's design mind you Though they both had their respected vocations, Cain had the same opportunity of learning and accepting these truths as had Abel. Cain was not the victim of an arbitrary purpose. No, no, no. One brother was not chosen to be accepted of God while the other be rejected from God. For God is no respecter of men. On the outside appearance of the two brothers' religion, was that of the same but up to a certain point and this difference was great by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain and that is in the book of Hebrews the 11th chapter full verse here is where the whole matter rested upon Abel chose faith and obedience Cain unbelief and rebellion so Cain became angry with God for not accepting man's substitute in place of the sacrifice divinely ordained. And Cain was angry with his brother Abel for choosing to obey God instead of joining in his rebellion against God. It is amazing that God did not leave Cain to himself after disregarding the divine command of offering. But God reason with Cain and the Lord said unto Cain why art thou wroth or angry and why is thy countenance failing or better words depressed saddened if thou doest well shall thou not be accepted if thou doest not well sin lieth at the door Isaiah the first chapter and 18 verse comes to mind when speaking of reasoning and uh, God spoke in this in this verse come now and let us reason together and again that's in the book of Isaiah the first chapter 18 verse I have also used and heard this passage being used in the context concerning human to human interaction when dealing with relaying Bible truth to someone of a different religion or different faith which is true to form, but in his original context, get this, it is the Lord God Almighty asking his people who are red like scarlet and crimson to reason with him. Again, their sins are red like scarlet and crimson, and God wants us to reason with him. God is truly mindful of us. The choice lays with us. And in Cain's case, it lays with him to reason 
or not to reason with God. And sadly, we know the course of action Cain took not to reason. Cain did not acknowledge his sin, thus continuing to complain of the injustice of God and to cherish jealousy and hatred towards his very own younger brother, who he angrily reproached and tried to draw him in controversy concerning God's dealing with him. Yet Abel handled this opposition in a godly manner. Ellen White speaks on it as such. In meekness, in fearless, and firmly, excuse me, in meekness, yet fearlessly and firmly, Abel defended the justice and goodness of God. He pointed out Cain's error and tried to convince him that the wrong was with was in him himself. He pointed to the compassion of God in sparing the life of their parents when he might have punished them with instant death and urged that God loved them. Cain was cut to the heart, just as the religious leaders were in the book of Acts chapter 7, where Stephen the deacon was telling them the truth in love and enraged them. In like manner, the revelation of Cain's error by Abe, the revelation of Cain's error by Abel caused his anger to burn seven times hotter. Therefore, in the fury of his passion, Cain murdered his younger brother Abel in the field. This motive of murder was not because of something wrong that Abel had done to his older brother Cain. On the contrary, it was because his, talk about Cain, own works were evil and his brother's able righteous and this is kind of a picturing in the book of john well first john the third chapter and fifth and excuse me first john third chapter 12 verse this is the imagery that is given because someone's works are evil and then someone else's acts are righteous mind you this would be an element within the formula of murder sin throughout all ages and peep this but every man excuse me but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death and this is found in the book of James, the first chapter, 15 and 16 verse. God warned Cain that sin, or better yet, Satan, desire is for you. And then encouraged Cain in the same breath. But you are to rule over it. This scene closely is familiar with Simon Peter. In Luke's account of the closing moments of the Last Supper. Jesus is speaking and says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that they, thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. And that's in the book of Luke, the 22nd chapter, 
31 and the 32nd verse. The same language of warning and then encouragement is used in both stories. And in both stories, Satan is on the prowl as a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. For Satan is guilty of the charge of this charge of first degree murder, which is the murder of all murders. From this murder and all the murders that have happened upon this earth hereafter, this, excuse me, they will be laid upon Satan and he will be held responsible for them. The Bible tells us he, speaking of Satan, was a murderer from the beginning. And that's the book of John, the eighth chapter, 44 verse. This beginning is talking about the very murder of Abel. Satan wanted to use Cain, and he did, as his accomplice to do his dirty work. Because through man's sin, Satan had gained control of humanity. But Christ would enable them to cast off Satan's yoke. So Cain allows Satan to rule over him rather than rule over Satan by the power of God. That old serpent and Cain became one in this very act of the first murder. Nevertheless, the crime is done. Abel is asleep in the blessed hope of a redeemer, awaiting the first resurrection. And Cain is alive with innocent blood on his hands. Soon, Cain the murderer was called to answer for his crime. And the Bible says, the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain had gone so far off the deep end of sin that he lost the sense of God's continual presence and his greatness. God knew where Abel was. Duh. God knew what had taken place. But God was given room for repentance and realization. The question was rhetorical in nature to get Cain to think outside this fog of sin that had clouded his judgment. Yet Cain resorted to falsehood to conceal his guilt. And again, the Lord said to Cain, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. This was the time for Cain to reflect a time once again to confess his sin. Now the divine voice of judgment could no longer keep silent on this issue, and it was heard by Cain. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength, a fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be in the earth. And that's Genesis, the fourth chapter, 11 and 12 verse. Excuse me. A merciful creator still spared the life of Cain. <laughs> Even though the crime of murder merit the death sentence, God spared the life of the first murderer. Even when Cain pleaded with God that his punishment was too great, God placed a mark upon Cain. This was a sign of God's divine protection upon Cain. How great is our God 
God has truly presented before the whole universe a lesson bearing the truth of his love and revealing the devastating nature of sin. Could it be that God deals with murderers today in the same manner? And not just murderers, but all sinners like us. I believe he does. Of course, every situation is dealt with accordingly to the perfect will of God. But we can trust that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that's in the book of 2 Peter, 3rd chapter 9 verse. This is all because of the grace of God. Yes, his great, great grace. For all is not lost. The same way God mercifully dealt with Cain, God through Christ Jesus can deal with you and me, my friend. It is not too late. God has not left you. He will, ne- he will neither leave you nor forsake you, the Bible says. He is gently calling you now to confess your sins, that you will be forgiven and will be granted access to the heavenly kingdom that awaits us all who trust in Jesus. Please, please harden not your heart. If you are listening to this podcast and have committed murder or a sin that you feel that you cannot be forgiven from, I lovingly ask that you and I pray. And cast it upon our loving Father who cares. The Bible tells us to cast your cares upon him who cares. Yes, God cares. Let us cling on to the promises of God. Please let us pray together. Dear Father, we thank you for this story. Of course, it's a sad story, oh God. You know. The first murder, two brothers, one taking another's life. And this has been the downhill effect from that first murder to all the murders that have taken place thus far. But then again, Father, let us not glorify this murder, this crime, but let us glorify you and how you patiently dealt with Cain, even to the very end, Father. Your grace abounded much. So, Father, I pray that all those who may be listening, if they feel as though they have committed a crime of that of murder or stealing or any of the commandments, God, that is found in the book of Exodus 20th chapter 1 through 17 verse. Father, I pray that you would put it in their heart to confess these sins. For you are faithful and just and cleansing us of all unrighteousness. Father, you are ready to forgive. So, Father, I pray that you would allow your spirit to move hearts, O God. That you will move them to come to a place of repentance. To give them a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That they will utter forgiveness. And not, long, and not only utter it, but they will feel forgiven. That a burden will be lifted off of their hearts, off their conscience, and that they can move forward with you. Let this not be a stumbling block, oh God, concerning their lives. I pray that they lay it at the cross of Calvary. Let them not be like Judas and only 
repent to their selves. But let them be like Peter when Peter denied Christ three times. And he ran back through the Garden of Gethsemane and weeping, Lord, weeping. And he confessed his sins to you and you forgave him. You restored him and gave him purpose so that he could strengthen his brother, brothers. Father, I pray that you would do the same to any man or woman that is listening to this podcast. Father, let forgiveness come upon their life and may they forgive others as well, Father, because we cannot be forgiven unless we forgive others. So I pray, Father, that you soften hearts, soften hearts, O God, that they may hear your voice and come to a place of repentance. And draw nigh unto thee as you draw unto them. So, Father, again, thank you for highlighting this. For your word is clear as water. You hold nothing back, Father. You give us the good, the bad, and the ugly in man's history. But through it all, Father, you still show forth your goodness, your love, your mercy, and how you make things new and how you beautify our message that we make, Father, because of Jesus, we can claim these promises of forgiveness, knowing that you will cast our sins as far as the east is from the west and that you will remember them no more. So, Father, please have your way in the lives of all listeners, Father, that when they listen to this, they will feel the invitation to cast their sins upon the altar at the feet at the foot of Calvary O God and that your promises will be revealed to them in their lives and that they will receive you as their Lord and Savior if they haven't that they had not received Jesus I pray they do but if they have received Jesus and have stumbled along the way may they be encouraged may they be strengthened may they be converted to continue this journey with you this journey that is soon to come to an end because you're coming back and you're going to make all things new thank you for all your promises thank you for your love and your forgiveness this I pray in the holy name of Jesus Christ thank you Abba Amen so thank you for listening to a four time true crimes and biblical times Again, a podcast that glorifies God and not the crime. And please feel free to follow us on Twitter at Biblical T Crimes. Again, at Biblical T Crimes. Or leave a comment, an answer, a question, or just to say hello here at anchor.fm backslash Biblical True Crimes. Again, it's at anchor.fm backslash biblical true crimes until next episode sola deo gloria to god be the glory alone